everybody and a very big welcome. Thanks Josh for that introduction. It's awesome that we can join you from wherever you are in the world. My name is Pastor Craig and we're right coming down to the end of a series entitled Conscience. If you haven't managed to get the rest of the series, have a look at the link that's been provided for you right now and you'll be able to catch up on all that you've missed here at Victory Life Church online during the Conscience series. We're going to say a quick prayer and then we're going to go straight into part seven of this series that we're dealing with right now. Father, we thank you so very much that we can come together from wherever we are in the world. We know that your word will always edify us, will always educate us, will always encourage us, will always exhort us. And so, Father, we come to be encouraged. We come to be exhorted. We, st we might be in our home, we might be at a coffee shop, we might be wherever we are, Father God. We just thank you that you are with us, you are guiding us, and you are leading us. Father, continue to speak to us through the still small voice entitled our conscience and what it is to listen to that so that we can be listening to you. And we pray this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Well, for those of you joining in the room, for those of you who are joining from around the world, it's awesome to be able to be with you and just to be able to encourage you and go into God's word as we find a way of hearing from him through the voice of our conscience. Now, we've been on a little bit of a journey as regards this conscience. In fact, this is part seven of the conscience series. And if we have a look at the summary, remember that we said that our main scripture is Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21. It says this, your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or turn to the left. You see, when we are walking, when we are walking through our lives, when we are journeying in our lives, we are always aware of the fact that there's this voice guiding us to the left and to the right. The Bible describes this voice as your conscience. And that is the moral word of God, the moral laws of God, who God is right at the core has been written on the inside of you. In fact, Genesis describes that as you having been made in God's image. This God's image that's been imprinted in you is in fact the moral standards of God. And that voice, the, 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 the part of you that gives moral standards, God's standards, his image on the inside of you, the part of you that gives that a voice, that's called your conscience. And if you will allow that conscience to be trained, if you will allow that conscience to take in God's word, if you will allow that voice to get the voice of God, he is going to use that voice to guide you and lead you to a life much better than if you listen to the other voices in your life. And if you remember correctly, we took a look and said that some of the other voices in our lives could include friends and family and situations. And we've been going through how these different things come into play in our conscience and being able to hear from God. Remember we said at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33 that bad associations spoil useful habits. Your conscience is your habit guide. And we really wanted to press on and become habitually obedient to God through listening to the voice that He's placed on the inside of us. As long as that voice is attached to the moral standards of God, we know that if we are habitually obedient to what God is saying to us and through us, we know that our lives will be better. And then last week we took a very long look at what is it mean to make wise decisions? What does it mean to listen to wisdom as it comes from our conscience? You see, if we attach our conscience, if we attach what we are conscious of towards God, when it matters subconsciously, we will take wise decisions without even thinking about it. If we take our consciousness and we direct it to the Word of God, if we in the conscience are fellowship 
fellowshipping with others that are helping us grow with God. If our consciousness is always directed to things of the Father, our conscience starts to learn what language to speak. And remember, we use the example of if you hang around somebody that speaks with a certain accent, like my heavenly accent from South Africa, if you hang around with me for a little while, you might start picking up on some of the accent traits of, of how I speak. You see, if we hang around with the wise, we will start speaking in wisdom. So we understand that our conscience can be governed and is governed by God if we all let it. We can also allow our conscience to veer away from the voice of God and listen to other voices. In fact, we can, when we start allowing our conscience to veer away from the Word of God, it starts to grow strangely quiet in our heads. We no longer have this guide. We no longer have the ability to, to hear what we should be or should not be doing in a certain situation. Well, today I thought it'd be really good to be able to jump in and say to you and ask you the question, what does your conscience say to you when you need to take a risk? What does your conscience say to you when you need to make a decision? When you need to, on the moment, make a risk, when you need to sacrifice something, when you need to give up something, what is your conscience saying to you if it's attached to the Word of God? If your conscience is attached to the Word of God, your conscience should be able to advise you in those moments of risk. When your conscience needs to take a risk, that's when you need your conscience attached to the Word of God the most. Because when you take a risk on your own understanding, those risks, how many of you are agreeing with me, those risks don't always turn out how you it expect them. And so what we want to do is we want to know, well, what does it sound like? What does it look like when our conscience is attached to the Word of God in those moments of risk? The moment you need to make a decision when, when your head says one thing, when your head is saying, be logical, when your head is saying, look after yourself, when your head is saying, don't go there, it's going to be a sacrifice. You know those kinds of decisions, but your conscience is going, take the risk, step out in faith. All of those words are happening on the inside of you. Maybe it's at that moment when, when you have received the doctor's diagnosis and your, your head is saying that you need to receive what the doctor is saying or what the psychologist is saying. Maybe it's when somebody says to you, you are depressed or you sh you're a bit down today. You receive that into your conscience and you listen to that voice through your mind and your mind is going, yeah, that sounds like it. That sounds like I feel. That sounds what like what's going on around me. But your conscience is screaming out promises of God. Your conscience is screaming out, take a risk. Don't believe that. And that is the situation we, we find ourselves in when we take this decision or we get to a moment of taking a risk. Maybe someone is depressed in front of you. Maybe someone is, is going through a difficult time. Maybe someone's lost a loved one. And, and the first thing that God is saying to you is that there's victory, that there's a promise that you can overcome. But hey, let's take a look at what your head is saying. Your head is saying it's okay to commiserate. It's okay to come down. It's okay to, to justify how we feel. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay not to lift your head up. It's okay to be selfish. It's okay to look after yourself in that situation. Your mind is probably telling you all the things that Satan the devil wants you because to listen to because Satan doesn't want you to take a risk and listen to your God-trained conscience. No, he wants you to hole up like Adam and Eve and hide behind that bush in shame instead of stepping out in faith and taking the risk that your conscience is pressing you to take. 
You see, the, the, the Bible says this. The Bible says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news. Your conscience, when lined up to the word of God, will always shout out to you good news. If your conscience is condemning you, if your conscience is bringing you down, if your conscience feels like it's wagging the finger, you've tuned your conscience to the wrong news. Your conscience is trained to scream out the good news if it's attached to the word of God. Your conscience will always encourage you. Your conscience will always exhort you. Your conscience will always be pushing you on, pushing you further, taking a risk with God. Because if you take a risk with God, there will be obedience. And we heard a few Sundays ago that where there's obedience, there's blessing. You see, your conscience is not ashamed of this gospel message. This conscience, in spite of the doctor telling you that you are ill, your conscience, if attached to the word of God, is going to be telling you, take the risk on me because you are healed. You see, your conscience is guiding you towards this good news. But sometimes in life, sometimes for a moment, we get a call or we get an unction or we get a desire in our hearts and minds to take a leap of faith, to do something pretty radical. And our minds go, not on my watch. No way, not a chance will I ever take that kind of risk. And because your conscience, if it has been, because your conscience is attached to this unashamed gospel, good news, where God tells you that no matter what you do, as long as you are obedient to him and love him, he'll work for the good for you. Despite your conscience being attached to that word, your mind and your conscience, Bible trained conscience, starts to play tug of war with you. And you start getting into the should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I, making a good list and a bad list, a pros list and a cons list. How many of you have been in situations like that where your conscience is the one that should be guiding you and should be leading you no matter what the situation if it's attached to the word of God. Whether that's, should I start school? Should I change jobs? Should I make this investment? Should I date this guy? Hey, if, should I join a grow team and help out online? Should I start a life group as a life group leader? These are all massive risk decisions. It's crazy to try and think of you having a ministry online that can affect thousands when you're actually a person that's mind is saying, oh, I always like being in the back, back room. I always like being at the back. Your mind is saying, shrink back, hide behind the bush, but your conscience trained by God in faith is saying, press forward, have an international impact, do something with what God has given you. We speak life in the moment of illness because our conscience is full of God's life. Remember, God said to Adam and Eve, the moment you stop listening to the conscience, you stop being obedient to me, you will positively die. And if our conscience is the home of the image of God in our lives, speaking what he has put on the inside of us all the time to us, if our conscience is that place, well, then it's gonna be full of life. Whatever your conscience leads you to do in the will and the word of God, you will always have life. Can I say that again if you didn't catch it? No matter what your conscience leads you to do in the will and the word of God, you will always have life. You can bet everything you've got on that life because God's word is true in your life today. 
You see, God doesn't want you to listen to your head. He doesn't want you to listen to your flesh because he knows that on the moment you do that, the life that he's put on the inside of you and the possibilities that come from that life start reducing. The risks that you take to see the enjoyment and the wonder of life starts being minimized and you start finding yourself dying a little each day on the inside. The reason you die each day on the inside is because you start living with regret. If only I'd taken that risk, if only I'd taken that, if only I'd gone on that mission trip, if only I wasn't so shy, if only I wasn't so proud, if only I wasn't so unknowledgeable, if only, if only, if only, if only, if only, if only. And God is saying, go, I only want you to go. I only want you to listen to your Bible-trained conscience in faith. He wants you to step out and make that unashamed statement. Whether it's speaking over your marriage, whether it's speaking over a situation, whether it's speaking over a relationship, you have the life and light of God imprinted into your conscience on the inside of you. Let it speak. Trust it if it's attached to the Word of God. Do not trust it as far as you can throw it if you're not attaching your consciousness to the Word of God because then you're attaching your consciousness to your friends, to your family, to the things of the world, to the media, and you can't trust the conscience that's not attached to the life, will, and Word of God. For too many people, they don't get started because they wonder where it's gonna end. For too many people, it's the starting out that stops them from achieving something great. For too many people, it's just about getting going. For too many people, it's about saying, hey, I need to move forward. For too many people, it's about saying, I can't get going, I won't do, I can't do, I shouldn't do. You see, for too many people, they never get to anywhere near the potential of what God has in their mind because they never start the journey. How many times don't we make long, lengthy lists before we go on a journey? We, we have our packing list before we even buy the suitcase. We, 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 we have all of these lists and all of these things that have to happen and line up before we will make the first move. In fact, the world has even got horoscopes that tell you, well, when this star aligns with that star and that body, heavenly body, has this heavenly body in its alignment, then you can have a relationship. Then you can do this. Then you can take up on a new job. I want to say to you, looking you straight in the eye, what absolute hogwash. There is no reason for you right now to obey your God-trained conscience when it's telling you to step out in faith. The reason you have this dichotomy, this wrestling with who you are and what God's called you to do is because your mind and your flesh is trying to keep you safe, but your conscience is trying to lead you to the risk, the risk of being good and abundant with God. Yes, there is going to be some risk to see the fruition of God in your life. You're gonna to have to take a chance on a God you can't see. You're gonna to have to take a chance on a belief structure and a doctrine that started by a man that came to earth from heaven, was dead, was raised, and was seated at the right hand of God. You're gonna to have to take a risk. You don't know all the answers to all the theological questions that are gonna all of a sudden start happening in your head. It's okay. You see, because when we start taking the risk, when we start looking at what God has installed on the inside of us, 
then and only then that risk allows us to start, that risk allows us to move forward. It's going to be a call to leave your comfort zone. It's going to be called faith. And for too many people, they realize that they will never get to finishing something because they never get to actually starting something. How many dreams are still rattling around in your mind to promote God's kingdom? How many things are still in your heart? How many songs are still unsung in your life? Because you've managed to allow other excuses to get in the way, situations to get in the way, relationships to get in the way, words from other people to cloud out what your faithful conscience is telling you to go and to do. You will never finish something you don't start. And nine times out of 10, we don't want to start it because of how it ended last time. This year, I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to do what I need to do to get out of debt. We don't want to start that because last year it only lasted two weeks and then you were over your budget again and things weren't going as expected. Maybe it's, it's this time you're going to say, this time I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to get my body to be the temple of the Most High God. My conscience is saying, take a risk, get fit, get healthy, drive, go for it. But the last time that that diet started, it started on Monday and ended on Monday. You see, we often don't take the next step because we think we failed in the previous step. I want to encourage you today to say to you that you do need to have the faith that wells up through your conscience. Your conscience has been trained by the promises of God. Your conscience has got the word of God on the inside of it. It was placed in you before you were even knitted together in your mother's womb. It was part of who you would be. It's part of who you will always be. Whether you believe in Jesus, go to church or not, you have the word of God imprinted on the inside of you. Why? Because he spoke you into being. His very words are what make you a human being. Inside of you, that word of God is bubbling up, is coming up all the time. Faith-filled promises, faith-filled risks, faith-filled things that you can do to make yourself feel like you have a purpose, like you have a destiny, like you can do something with your life. But overriding that conscience is the voices on the inside of you that say you cannot do it. Don't listen to them. Listen to your Bible-based, faith-filled conscience in the image of God and know that you can have the faith to step out and start. It doesn't even have to end. God will work out the good of what you start. Can I say that again? God will work out the good of what you start. Your God-trained conscience wants you to take a faith-filled risk, just like Nehemiah. Nehemiah was this guy that lived in captivity. The Babylonians had completely overrun the Israelites. The Israelites knew that if they had kept obedient to God, they would be blessed, they would be protected, they would be the world power. But the Israelites at about Nehemiah's time decided that it would be better to serve other gods, to listen to other voices, than listen to their law, to listen to the God word in their lives, listen to the God word in their consciences. They were rather listening to nations around them as regards what they should believe. And slowly but surely, the word inspired blessings and obedience that they had been trained in their conscience to do, slowly but surely had grown dim. And they couldn't hear the voice of God anymore. They couldn't hear the faithful risks anymore. And so as a result, God led the Babylonians to take over the Israelite city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah 
was gutted by this. Nehemiah really suffered. Inside him, his conscience was screaming out that there had been an injustice done on Jerusalem, that Jerusalem city needed to be rebuilt. His conscience was saying, take the risk, go and get it done, fix it, do something. Nehemiah wasn't a builder. He didn't know what to do. He wasn't a a reestablisher of fallen cities. He didn't have a a, a resume of reestablishing slaves. He, He didn't have any of those qualifications. But on the inside of him, he had this unction. He had this desire. He had this need to step up and just do something. Anything is better than doing nothing when you step out in faith. Anything is better than nothing when you step out in faith. And so Nehemiah had this divine burden. And I want to look at you today. I want to look at you today and say this to you. A divine burden often gives you a divine direction. A divine burden will often provide you with your divine direction. Popeye knew this. Why don't you? Yeah, I'm talking about Popeye, the sailor man. When he looked at at his girlfriend being wooed by somebody else, and when he looked at what was going on, when somebody else was being hurt, well, then he would come up and he would say, I can stand no more. And he'd pop out his spinach and he'd have those, those anvils for muscles and he'd get stuck into sorting out the problem. What's your I can stand no more moment? What is your divine burden that you don't want to see happen for the rest of your life? What is the thing in your life that's so heavy that you want to lift it up and give it out and do it? What is that thing that you can stand no more and that you need to pop some faith, listen to your Bible-trained, God-ordained conscience and get out and do something about your divine burden? Your divine burden is often going to cause you to have direct direct or divine direction. That's how God gets you to move. That's how God gets you to get going. He gives you a divine burden. Maybe it's children that are suffering from HIV in South Africa. Maybe it's human trafficking in the worst places in the East. Maybe it's just the European plight of children and families in Central Europe that's just suffering. Maybe it's your next door neighbor who is suffering from cancer that you can stand no more for them to be in that situation. And maybe God's given you a divine burden so that you can have some divine direction. The challenge is this. If you don't listen to your faith-filled, Bible-oriented conscience, it will always be a burden and it will never become direction. It will always sit as a heaviness, as a reason not to get going, as a reason to, to not move and not start like Nehemiah did. You see, Nehemiah took that divine burden and knew that he wanted to do it. Your conscience is holding you accountable to your divine burden. It's pressing you forward, telling you how to do, how, what not to do to move forward towards taking a divine burden and turning it into some form of divine direction. I remember when, when Leanne and I planted our very first church, it was a small church alongside a, an informal settlement in, in South Africa in the city. 
And uh, our Sunday school teachers for the kids were, were trained first in first aid and how to suture and how to nourish kids uh, f- with physical food before they were trained on the Sunday school curriculum because the kids would come over from, from, the, from the township and from the informal settlement and they would have lice and they would, they would have cuts and they would be really in a bad way. And, and our Sunday school teachers were obedient and faithful and I still honor those men and women that served in that little church called Oak Tree Fellowship back in the day. But I remember that moment when Leanne said to me, we were in another church at the time and we were kind of stagnating. We knew we were on track with God, but we weren't feeling the power that scripture had shown us that should be there. And we we were serving, we were leading. I was preaching as a lay preacher in that church. And and it was just an awesome time of, of, of gathering our thoughts. And one day Leanne said to me, she placed a burden on my heart and said, wouldn't it be nice to be able to build a church where we could have some more free worship? Something happened on the inside of me. Leanne mentioned something to me as a maybe, as a dream, as a possibility. Well, she mentioned that to me as a bucket list item she'd like to do one day. And the next day, I was already meeting with potential leaders. You see, when there's a burden placed in you, when somebody says something to you and your conscience knows that you don't know what the answer will look like, but you possibly have an answer to that burden, your heart will leap, your conscience will scream faith and your conscience will get you moving. The very next day we were meeting with leaders and very quickly that church grew up and was able to service that entire informal settlement. In fact, today that church has gone on to multiply to a number of different ministries and currently leads a massive orphanage down in that area today. They have almost two and a half thousand people who worship and fellowship now, yes, under a different name, but started in that small little hall next to that informal settlement. Why? Because Leanne had a burden that I allowed to be turned into our direction. I didn't dream it would have that kind of impact growing up, but it did. And as it grew up, it became something that God could use. I didn't know what that would look like when I took the first step by meeting with those leaders. But by meeting with those leaders, the six of us began a journey that would radically change the course and the direction of many children's lives because of our ability to take our divine burden and turn it into divine direction. You know, sometimes that moment comes And you can't shake it. You you can't change it. You wake up in the morning with that thought. You go to bed at night with that thought. You're constantly thinking about that divine burden. Today, I want to look at you today from all over the world, no matter where you're tuning in from. And I want to say to you that if you can't shake that thought, if you can't shake that divine burden, then it may as well be you that gets some direction, that gets some divine direction. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. If he offended the king, he was like the, the CIA to the king. And if he offended that king, if he, if he said something the kid did, king didn't like, off with his head. Remember, Nehemiah was a slave to the king and it was very honorable of him to have the position of cupbearer as a slave. So Nehemiah had something on the inside of him that many others didn't. He was the right man for that role. When God placed a divine burden to rebuild Jerusalem, it was Nehemiah who he called. 
What has He called you to do? What has He called you to have? What has He called you to express? Every one of us has that divine call and divine burden on our lives. He's placed His divinity on the inside of us so that we can carry the weight of that divine burden and translate that into divine direction. That's how God wants you to operate. And so Nehemiah didn't know where to start. He didn't know what the concrete mix should be. He didn't know what kind of stones he would need. He didn't know what kind of rebels would come marauding. He didn't know any of those details. He just knew that he had to start. And so start he did. He went up to the king and he said, I don't know how to, I don't have YouTube, I don't have Google, I can't look it up. I, if my motor vehicle breaks down on the way there, I'm not gonna be able to have a look at YouTube and figure out how to do it. I'm not gonna be able to look at the right cement mixture and do all of those kinds of things. No, what I'm gonna have to do is just take this one step at a time. And right now the Lord has said to me and he said to Nehemiah that he's gonna need to pray about it. So Nehemiah went ahead and he prayed to the Lord. In fact, he said this, Lord of heaven, great and awesome Father, let your ear be attentive to your servant. I confess our sins as a nation, Israel. I include my own sins, he says. We have acted wickedly toward you. But Father, remember the promise that you have placed on the inside of us. Remember the word that you placed in our conscience. Give your servant success in granting favor before the king. You see, he takes the first step and he turns to prayer. He visits the king, he asks permission, he goes away, and 52 days later, the wall starts to be rebuilt. Nehemiah started with a prayer. He started by expressing his desire and he acted on it. He went before the king, even though there was a risk. He could have had his life ended if the king didn't like what he heard. So here is a few steps that you can model your life around in taking risk with your divine burdens that have been placed in your conscience. The first is found in Zechariah 4 and verse 10. And I'm gonna read from the New Living Translation. If you can't find Zechariah, you can look it up. It obviously starts with a Z or a Z and you can look it up on your U version or click on the notes. The whole scripture is there in the Bible, uh, in, the, in, the, in the notes. Zechariah 4 verse 10, it says this. Do not despise, say it with me, these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. The work, we, we, in the world, we look at our work and it's only once we've made the profits, when we've achieved the sale, when we've done everything, does the world give us accolade. But God is different. He loves it to see you start. He's not interested in the end because he knows the end. He's already spoken goodness over the end. He already knows the end. That's why they call him the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He already knows that you are gonna end up on the right hand of him serving with him for all eternity. He already knows that. Why? Because he put his son in place to assure that. He just wants to see you start walking towards that eternal destiny. The Lord loves to see you start. It's like when our kids are learning to walk. You know what that's like when our kids look like drunk Frankenstein and they're trying to walk and they, they're trying to get their step and then they, then they make those first two or three steps and the parents rejoice. Our child is walking. Facebook fills up. Everybody's commenting. There's videos all over Instagram of the first three steps. The same start with God. I don't revel at my 16-year-old son when he walks into the lounge anymore. 
Even though he still might look like a drunk Frankenstein, he doesn't drink alcohol, however. It doesn't matter what he does now. I rejoiced more when he started walking. I know he's going to end up walking. He's going to end up playing sports and running and jumping and dancing and leaping. I know all of that. But you see, I rejoiced when he started walking, when he did something for the first time, when he stepped out in faith. Even now, as my children start to grow up and take their own places in the kingdom of God and the church, I see them taking risk for the first time. You see, before dad took the risk for them, but now today they're able to take the risk for themselves. And so as we start to see our children do things for the first time, we're just like God. He rejoices when we start doing something, even though we don't know how it's going to end up. For Nehemiah, building the wall was impossible. Building the wall would require a fight and opposition. He'd have to rally the people. He'd have to investigate and figure out and ask YouTube and go to Google and, and figure out how to do this thing. But he was willing to ask and travel 850 miles on foot, pack his backpack and get moving. He was willing to start and get moving. It was a small start. He had to pray and grab his suitcase. That was all he had to do. He had to pack some underwear, throw in some toothbrush, toothbrushes for the journey, and start. He probably didn't even have a Siri to ask him which way to Jerusalem. He didn't know any of these things, but he knew that God rejoices over the beginning. Well, he gathered the officials and priests, he gathered the nobles, and he said this to them, you will see trouble when we're in Jerusalem when it lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, he said, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said. They replied, let us have a look at it. In that scripture in Nehemiah 2 verse 17 to 18, it says, let us start rebuilding. Let us start rebuilding. They probably had no clue what the end game would look like, but they were willing to start rebuilding. And so they say it with me, began, the scripture says, the good work. He still doesn't know the details. He's just relying completely on what his conscience, what the spirit is telling him to do. He's just relying completely on what God is prompting you to do. You don't have to have faith to finish. You have to have faith to start. Let me say that again. You don't have to have faith to finish. You just have to have faith to start. Don't wait to start because you think it's going to be something small. Don't wait to start because you want something much bigger than what it could be. It's great to be a big thinker. But big thoughts always start with something small. Even the magnitude of faith starts with the seed of a mustard grain. Everything needs to start small. God gave me visions to preach to hundreds, maybe even thousands. Well, that started with a few people in our next plant called U-Turn Church in South Africa. Quick shout out to Hannes and Mandy, who were our, our couple that started that little church together. And that church, I thought, well, how is this little church going to ever help me preach to thousands and preach to hundreds? Well, the lessons that God took me through in starting small means that today from Boswell, Oklahoma, 
I'm able to speak to you and give you a message from the Lord right in your home in countries all over the world to thousands of people. You see, God needed me to start with four so that he could groom me to make sure I could handle more. Faith is where the little things start. Faith is where the big things come from. So the first thing that we need to know and we need to do is don't be afraid to start small. Number two, as you grow in your faith, is take the next step. Friends might tell you that you're doing something stupid, but if God has ordained it, just do it. Oh, I'm not too sure if I should step out in faith and take this or do that. Well, if you know it's from God and your conscience is attached to the Word of God, you've got some good advice from wise people, will you get up off your tush and do it? It's time for you to stand up and do the dreams that God has placed on the inside of you instead of just dreaming about them. Take one dream at a time. Take one step at a time and just take the next step. If that means that you have to get into a life group to learn how to lead a life group, if that means that you need to learn how to lead a life group because you've been called to preach to thousands, take the next step. You're not gonna be preaching to thousands unless you join the life group. If God has called you to serve people all around the world, get close to your closest church, get into a victory life, get into online and start serving right now. Take the next step. Just do it. Just take that next step. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 19 to 20, the story continues. And slowly but surely, Nehemiah's friends and advisors come out and start telling him, oh, you're not going to do it. You're not going to make it. It's not going to work out. We've learned already that your friends are not your conscience. The voice of God in your life is your conscience. Oh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I've got so many much weight to lose. I've got so much debt to get through. Just take the next God-ordained, conscience-prompted step. You'll know what to do. Don't worry about what the fourth step looks like or the fifth step looks like. Just take the first one. Just enough light for the step that you're on. Start doing what's necessary, then what's possible, then suddenly you're doing the impossible. That's what Sir Francis of Assisi says. Just start doing what's necessary, then what's possible, then suddenly you're doing the impossible. Once Nehemiah had started to build the wall, well then, the economy started returning to Jerusalem. All of a sudden, there was an influx of trade again in Jerusalem. And once the trade came in, the money was made available, and all of a sudden, worship could be restored. Why? Because God directed Nehemiah and told him it was time to start. Just like Noah, God directed Nehemiah in a near impossible task, but both were willing to start. When your conscience first speaks, it's going to shout out to you to take the next step. When your conscience speaks and it's God-ordained, it's going to shout out to you that you're likely going to overestimate what God will do in the short term, but you will underestimate what God will do through a life of faithfulness. You will underestimate by taking the first step what kind of impact that first step is going to have. You'll underestimate that. 
And you will, I mean, and you will, you will think, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm never going to be good enough. But maybe you're also thinking, I want something grand. Just by moving on the first step, Nehemiah didn't get his wall back. Just by going to pray and going and speak to the king, he didn't get his wall back. He didn't get the economy restored. He had grand expectations maybe, like you and I. We just want to do this much work and get this much result. God's saying, you know what? Don't ever, ever overestimate what the first step will do. It's going to be small. The impact slight. The adjustment and the change, minimal. But you've taken the first step. You've stepped out in faith. You've sowed, and now over the long term, seed time and harvest, you will find that you will start to reap more abundantly than you ever dreamed when you took that first step. Don't ever overestimate what God will do for you in the short term and don't ever underestimate what God will do in the long term. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Start small. Start going slowly. But move, do something. The smallest step in the right direction might have been the biggest step in your entire life. The smallest step in the right direction could have been the biggest step of your entire life. If you are prompted by the Holy Spirit, guided by faith, listen to your conscience that is holding you accountable to the impossible of God's word in your life, you will find that you start stepping up. When your conscience first speaks, listen to it. That's step number three. When your conscience speaks, listen to it. The smallest step in the right direction is indeed the biggest step of your entire life. You see, when we take the next step, when we get started, when we start small, when we listen to our conscience that's trained by God, He will find you walking in a rhythm that is graceful. You might make mistakes along that journey, but they'll be graceful so they don't impact you as harshly as if you were doing it through your own understanding. You see, God has called you onto a greater life. And by lying around, sitting around, thinking that you're not good enough, you're listening to the voices of the world and your friends and your past. God has placed the impossible on the inside of you and He's given that a voice. It's called your conscience. It's time for you to listen to the faithful promises of God and see marvels happen in your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are our God. We thank you that we can come together and we can learn how to take the next steps of our big things. Place on the inside of us a divine burden, a divine burden that will give us divine direction. We are ready to carry whatever you bring to our attention and we are ready to create a direction out of our divine burdens. Father, thank you for giving us a voice on the inside that speaks to us as if it were you all day, every day. We continue to turn our conscience towards you, O God, and you alone. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, if you are joining us for the first time or you join us regularly, you'll know that um, we take a moment now to celebrate communion together from all over the world. 
So no matter what you've got, no matter what you've got in your hand right now, no matter what you're feeling or you, you're thinking through this message, we just want to take a moment and celebrate Jesus Christ. We want to celebrate who Jesus is in our lives. Jesus made this whole life of faith, of risk-taking with God possible. He made it ready for you to go out and take up the very marrow out of life, to take up the very best of what life has to offer. He gave of His life so that you can have a life. And so if you're joining us for the first time or you're joining us again and again, you'll know my saying, whether it's a stick of gum and a cup of coffee or a piece of bread and a glass of water, you can fellowship with us and have communion with us right where you are from wherever you are in the world. The thing that you will eat, I have a cracker. The thing that you will eat represents the fact that Jesus' body was broken for you. It represents the fact that Jesus really existed here on the planet and He came to give up His body. And by consuming something that represents His body, you are saying, we understand, we grasp, we accept, we receive that Jesus' body was broken for you. The cup, no matter what you're drinking today, represents Jesus' blood. It was evidence that Jesus actually died. But it was more than that. It meant that Jesus, what He said He would do, He actually poured out His blood, poured out all who He was to make sure that you would know it was a covenant that would never be broken. The faithful benefits of listening and being obedient to God's promises will far outweigh the detriments and the weight of this world. And He made that kind of life possible for you and for me. So take drink and know that His blood just wasn't shed for you, but that it covers you, it protects you, and it's an insurance for you that God's Word is always true in your life. Let's pray together and then we will go our different ways. Father, we thank You so very much and we can receive who Jesus was in completeness, His body and His blood, all of who He was. We can receive that right now and accept Him as our Lord and Savior. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so very much for joining us. Right now, you've got an opportunity that if anything in this message touched your heart, if this was the first time that you thought, hang on, I need some of that risk-taking, faithful life. I've been living a bit bland and I want some excitement with God. Well, the very first step that you need to take is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. That doesn't mean to say that it's some crazy spiritual behebie-jeebie thing that you've got to do. No, you've just got to start saying, hang on, I'm going to listen to what Jesus had to say in the Bible. I'm going to start reading my Bible and discovering what Jesus had to say about my life. I'm going to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, all pretty much the same story. You're going to read different elements of the story, but it's going to be the story of what Jesus came to do to make sure that you could have a faithful, risk-taking, on-fire life with God. It's much better than having the bland life where you never ever receive any answers to those crazy questions that might be coming up. You see, God wants you to have the answers to life. He wants you to have the answer to life. And so right now, if this is the first time that you've ever accepted that Jesus, what you said about my life, I'm going to start listening to. I want to listen to what you have to say in my life. 
Well, if that is you, there's a banner and a link in the chat room. There's a banner below me and a link in the chat room that you can click on. What that's going to do is that's going to enable me to get your email address or some form of contact information. And I'd love to reach out to you personally from wherever you are in the world. I'm going to write you a personal email that would, would just ask you some questions of how you think you can take your next step. And when I hear back from you, we're going to start sending you some resources of how you can journey to hearing more from Jesus, listening to Him and being more obedient each day in your life. Thank you for taking that decision. If, for example, you've given your life to Jesus a number of years ago and you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but today's message prompted you to take a step, why don't you click on that banner as well? It doesn't matter that it says, I raised my hand. It's not for only for first time believers. No, it's for anybody that wants to have or ask a question. Yes, I, I want to take the next step. I don't quite know how. Click on that banner and I'd love to reach out to you personally during the week as well and just get to know you and start helping you with some resources of how you can get up from just having a divine burden and transfer that through Jesus Christ through the communion of Jesus Christ and have divine direction. So click on those banners. Be sure to join someone in the chat room. They're ready and waiting to pray with you right now. If you have any other questions, please feel free to join us in the chat room and ask one of the hosts. It's been an honor and a blessing to be with you right where you are in the world. Thank you so much for being with us here at Victory Life Church Online. I look forward to seeing you again this weekend and during the course of the week. Thank you so much and you be blessed.